For decades, credit cards have been telling us to buy it now and pay for it later with interest. Despite your best intentions, that interest can get out of control fast. With Lending Club, you can consolidate your debt or pay off credit cards with one fixed monthly payment. Since 2007, Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed-rate personal loans. No trips to a bank, no high-interest credit cards. Just go to LendingClub.com, tell them about yourself and how much you want to borrow, pick the terms that are right for you, and if you're approved, your loan is automatically deposited into your bank account in as little as a few days. Lending Club is the number one peer-to-peer lending platform with more than $35 billion in loans issued. Go to LendingClub.com slash coast. Check your rate in minutes and borrow up to $40,000. That's LendingClub.com slash coast. LendingClub.com slash coast. All loans made by WebBank. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you with Dr. Mark Eaton, Associate Professor of Sociology at Ripon College in Wisconsin. Since 2012, he's been studying paranormal investigators, also known as ghost hunters, in order to better understand who gets involved in this field, how they attempt to communicate with spirits, and document evidence of their presence and what they ultimately hope to gain from such an undertaking. Now, based on participation in 20 paranormal investigations, interviews with nearly 50 paranormal investigators, and observations at five paranormal conferences, This research provides for him and us unprecedented insights into a thriving subculture that persists despite being rejected by both mainstream science and religion. The book that they edited with Dennis Waskell, it is called The Supernatural in Society, Culture, and History. And here we are with Dr. Mark Eaton. Mark, welcome to the program. Looking forward to this tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate that. How did how did a professor of sociology get involved in the paranormal like this? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I guess it goes back to uh, childhood interest in the paranormal. Um, you know, I wasn't one of these kids like many of the people that I interviewed for this research that grew up with uh, paranormal experiences or abilities or things like that. But I was a child of the '80s, and so. Uh, of course, I saw all of the famous movies of the 80s, mm-hmm. you know, Ghostbusters, Poltergeist, those sorts of things. Um, grew up in the Northwest as well, and so stories about Bigfoot lurking in the forest were always on the back of my mind, too, when I was out hiking. So, um, you know, going back to my childhood, certainly there's kind of a seed of interest there. But, um, you know, as a sociologist, I'm interested in how people make sense of the world and how they do that in groups rather than in, as an individual So um, watching shows like uh, Ghost Hunters, for example, uh, during graduate school really piqued my interest in the the how of paranormal investigation, you know, how it is that people go into these locations and determine whether or not they believe these places are haunted and on the basis of what evidence. So it's kind of an unusual topic for sociologists to study, although it's becoming less so with Dennis and I both doing this uh, book project together. Um, but I think it has a lot of sociological interest and a lot of general interest as well. So you became more interested in the why are they doing this, who is doing this, than the actual paranormal event. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's unusual um, for someone, you know, to come at the paranormal from a sociological perspective where, 
you know, as the paranormal investigators are are studying the ghosts, I'm studying the paranormal investigators. So, um, you know, my interest is in the, the human experience of attempting to make contact with something that's, you know, uh, I don't want to say non-human, mm-hmm. but maybe, you know, formerly human or those sorts of things. And so, um, you know, it's not that I'm not interested in what paranormal investigators are, are studying. It's it's an intrinsically interesting process to go into these places and use your voice recorders and whatnot to try to capture evidence. But I'm also really fascinated by the, the human process, the kind of interpretive work that happens during investigations um, where people determine whether or not they think a certain uh, knocking sound was a ghost or was it just the floorboards creaking, for example. So um, you know, that, that's the part that really fascinates me, and I somewhat hold off the, the question of whether or not um, there's a certain underlying reality to what they're looking at. I'm more fascinated by how people construct reality. Mark, were these investigators primarily doing what they were doing for a number of reasons? Let me throw out some possibilities here and tell me what you think. One would be they actually believe they're investigating some real paranormal activity. That would be, I think, number one, their motivation. The other, I think they're doing it for fun. Some people do that for fun. Uh, Another would be that they want to meet other people of similar or like interests, and they see this as a way to do that. Um, What about the possibility that they're just skeptics and they want to really debunk what's happening? I think all of those are definitely part of the mix. I think, you know, initially, particularly for people who got into this in the 2000s, a lot of it was driven by this uh, interest that was born of watching ghost hunters, ghost adventures, those sorts of shows. Um, So you you had this influx of people into the subculture that came in kind of preloaded with all of this knowledge that they gained really only by watching TV of how to go about doing it and what ghosts are supposed to do and not supposed to do. Um, so you had, you had a certain thrill seeker component to this wave of people that got involved. Um, anyone who's done paranormal investigation for any period of time knows that it's not like it is on TV. You know, you don't go into a place and <laughs> no. come out half an hour later with six EVPs and a couple of video uh, clips. Um, it's it's usually nothing happening for an extended period of time. If anything, um, if anything happens. Right, right. And so, you know, the thrill seekers tend to kind of come and go pretty quickly. And what you're left with then are people who have really deep driving motivations. You know, some people who grew up having experiences as kids and they want to figure out what that was. People who are dealing with death, you know, dealing with the reality of our own demise or the loss of a loved one. Um, some people that are more motivated by a desire to make some sort of pioneering scientific discovery. You know, and if we can finally find that golden piece of evidence, then we'll overturn scientific understanding of how the world works. Um, and then, you know, once people are actually involved in this for, uh, you know, a period of time and on these teams, one of the things I found most consistently was that one of the primary motivators is simply because they really like helping people. Um, you know, they want to help, especially the clients that call them in that are scared because they believe their house is haunted. But they also want to try to help people who are on the other side who might be lost or stuck or mm-hmm. trying, to, trying to convey a message. And so, you know, the more, the deeper people get into paranormal investigation, less it is about their own 
personal motivations and the more it is about wanting to help others. And I found that to be a really kind of surprising and, um, you know, a sort of endearing quality, I guess you could say, about about the subculture. Mark, did your research convince you that the paranormal is the real deal, or did it still keep you, you know, on on the uh, on the edge? Yeah, I mean, I came into this. I, I guess I would like to believe with an open mind. Um, you know, in that I hadn't had personal experiences, so I wasn't someone who came in saying I already know this is real. Um, but I also didn't come in like a hardcore skeptic might kind of with my nose in the air saying, all right, you know, it'll be fun to right, watch these. Right. And you didn't come around. into it as a debunker either. Exactly. I didn't, I didn't come in trying to debunk it. You know, I came in interested in the people and interested in the process of how they go about doing this. Um, you know, through the process of investigating with teams over the last six years now, um, I've had, you know, a couple experiences with teams that um, were pretty shocking um, and, you know, kind of have forced me to at least have the experience that so many people in this field have, which is really questioning your underlying, uh, you know, assumptions about reality. So, you know, I haven't necessarily, like, come full circle and am now a true believer or something, but I have a more kind of deeper understanding and respect for people who really do believe that they've had experiences with ghosts. And, you know, um, I have struggled with, with questioning reality as well as a result of some of the things that I've, I've seen. What would you say in your research was the most surprising aspect of all of this for you? Um, I guess a combination of things. One of them, um, will get, gets back to what we just talked about in terms of this, um, you know, how this forced me into a situation, uh, particularly one event where uh, an investigator that I was standing next to seemed to have been thrown backwards by something that none of us could see or sense in any way. Um, and that happened uh, a couple times over the course of one investigation. That was the thing that really kind of threw me into this existential crisis, I guess you could say, of what's going on here, what is reality. I thought I already knew what was going on in the world, but maybe not. Um, so that certainly was, you know, surprising, challenging, something I continue to kind of roll around in my head. Um, in terms of looking at the, the subculture and the people that are in it, I think one of the things that surprised me, I guess, in some sense, is that you know, going into this, I sort of assumed that ghost hunters would be the types of people that sort of fit the goth stereotype, you know, the sure. dark clothing, dark hair, you know, kind of fascinated with death, um, a particular type of person. And what I found is actually, by and large, uh, paranormal investigators are a cross-section of America. You know, you've got everybody from scientists to hairdressers and construction workers involved all across the country, you know, hundreds of teams across the country, uh, thousands of people involved, uh, different levels of education, you name it. And so one thing that was surprising to me that I guess shows my bias going in is that these people are quote unquote normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and they wear that, blue jeans and stuff like that. Exactly. And I think, you know, going into it, I had probably internalized a lot of the cultural stuff about, oh, if you believe in this, then you're kooky and you're different. Um, Do most and, of them, Mark, have other jobs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I would say I don't think I've met a single person who makes money doing this. Um, 
most people, in fact, um, spend money doing it on technology. They, they, on, they lose money on it, probably. Yeah, technology, travel. You know, one of the great no-nos of paranormal investigation is charging for your investigation. So people travel hundreds of miles, spend nights in hotels, buy thousands of dollars of equipment, um, and do it out of the kindness of their own hearts. And so, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, one of the surprising things was this idea that these people are just normal people. They're not kooky. And in fact, more often than not, the teams that I observed go in trying to find alternative natural explanations first and will only arrive at paranormal if they feel like there's nothing left that will adequately explain what's going on. So they don't jump straight to, oh, it's a demon or, oh, it's a ghost most of the time, like I think outsiders would assume they do. Beyond the person being pushed around by some entity, uh, was there anything else that you saw that really boggled your mind? I mean, you know, again, people who are involved in this field know that something like a person going backwards, apparently being pushed or in some other way being thrown backwards, is like a one in a million event. You know, most of the time things that happen are right on that line of interpretation, you know, does that thing that I captured on my voice recorder really sound like a ghostly voice, or could that have been someone walking down the sidewalk at 1.30 in the morning that I captured? Um, so there's a lot of ambiguity with the vast majority of things that you capture on the pro- in the process of investigating. Um, you know, I have personally never been, like, touched, pushed, scratched. Um, you know, there's been times when I've certainly felt the hair on the back of my neck stand up and felt like there was someone standing over me, but you were never threatened or anything like that. I've never been threatened. Nothing that I've ever, you know, I've captured some things on my audio recorder that sounded like they could have been a voice or something in, in the room with me. Um, never anything that said, you know, anything to me like, you know, I will kill you or (laughs) even, even get out, you know, usually it's, it's uh, pretty innocuous. So, um, yeah, I haven't ever, I guess, felt threatened so much by anything except for that one time when, um, you know, when you see something like that happen so close to you, you kind of can't sure. help but wonder if you're next. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.